you listening to cbjradio.com yet? It's a free internet radio station. Brand new shows every day. Shows range from all independent artist shows to rock shows to hip-hop shows to a Friday night request show. And don't forget about retro Saturday nights. Make cbjradio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. Hello, friends. How you doing? For most of my life, I've considered myself an optimist, but the older I get, the more I become a realist. I thought the COVID-19 vaccines would be the quickest way to end the pandemic, but I guess not everyone wants to get vaccinated against a killer virus. I'm not an expert. I can't say I understand the science behind the vaccines, but I don't understand the science behind a lot of things. I do know how to listen to scientific experts because I have a basic understanding of science from my public education and my college science classes. Thousands upon thousands of experts and peer-reviewed experiments tell me the vaccines are safe and the best way to end COVID. I'm fully vaccinated. Are you? What's your excuse for not getting vaccinated? I want this pandemic to end for, well, selfish reasons like concerts and going to sporting events and not wearing a mask inside when rando people are around. I know the percentage of me getting COVID while vaccinated is slim, but if I do get it, I don't want to pass it on to someone that's not vaccinated, so I play it safe. If you think about it, there are more dangerous things we use on a daily basis or around on a daily basis than COVID-19 vaccines, including COVID-19 is more dangerous than the vaccine. Be the solution to ending COVID-19. Be a hero. Be a patriot. Save American lives. Now, today's guest is Kristen Mackey, and I nearly forgot we were broadcasting majors at the University of Wyoming together. I'm a few years older than her, so it was more of a TA in her classes. I remember our friendship later in life after we started sharing a lot of the same friends. I think I started calling her Mackie then because I think everyone started calling her Mackie then or was calling her Mackie then. It's kind of more difficult to call her by her last name while we were uh, in our broadcasting classes together. So I think that's where I picked it up. Now, like most of the interviews, I learned about Mackie and her plot of life and what makes her thrive and survive. I was born and raised in Cheyenne, Wyoming, in the same house that my mom still lives in today. And so are your parents native Wyomingites? So, um, yes and no. My dad was sort of oddly a bit of a nomad. He was born in Denver and lived in a not great area of Denver now where we love to eat really good Mexican food at, at a great restaurant, but that's where he went yeah. home from the hospital too. It's, it's not, a, it was certainly not a good area of Denver then. And, um, he, he bounced around a lot. And then I think if you would have asked him, he, uh, you would have said that Worland kind of was his shaping years. That was around like okay. eighth grade for him. And so after he moved kind of around a little bit, he moved there in eighth grade and then they moved to Casper 
his actually to Powder River, huh. his uh, letter buck, right? And yeah. so his his parents owned a general store in Powder River. And then he came in and out to go to school in Casper and graduated from Natrona. And then my mom was born and raised in Casper. And uh, she actually graduated from NCHS as well. But um, a few years later. Yeah. So they met there? Somehow? They did not. They met in China. Actually, my dad graduated from high school when he was 17. He was a smart, smart little whippersnapper. Yeah. Oh, nice. So when my when he was four, my grandma marched him up to the school <laughs> to the school to take him. My aunt had already gone to school ahead of him. And my grandma ran out of patience with him, I think, because she didn't know what to do with him and took him to school. They sent him home and he, my grandma marched him right back and said, I don't know what to do with him. You take him. <laughs> so he started school at four and graduated when he was 17 and said, I'm either going to go to jail or die or go to the Navy. So he went into the Navy and wow. then he got out and graduated um, or got the GI bill to okay. go to college. And he went to Casper college first, actually. And um, actually it's real crazy. So um, this is the anniversary. My dad had a, an accident. He slipped and fell in um, their laundry room and hit his head. And it's actually the three-year anniversary yesterday of his fall. And so it's been a time to kind of take reflection always at this time of year of him. And we actually, we had this wonderful trip in Casper the weekend before he fell. And we went and visited all of his haunts where he oh, lived wow. when he met my mom with his roommate, uh, in this tiny house in the back of a, in this like alley, it was 666 Jackson street, I think. And that was more than descriptive <laughs> where he lived. And he showed me, you know, where sometimes he'd hit the bar on his way to class for his like eight or nine o'clock classes. And <laughs> it was just the most absolute memorable thing. We saw the house where he, uh, they moved when he was in the eighth and ninth grade and that my, um, my grandma and grandpa lived in and, so it was it was such a treasure of a weekend right before. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't know what was going to happen, but it was awesome. And then he went, um, he met my mom when he was going to Casper College and she was in Laramie. She was a freshman. They dated a little bit. He would go down to Laramie. One time he hitchhiked down to Laramie from a party and she was stuck on campus. They called it campus back then, it, which meant they were like on lockdown in the girls' dorms. And uh, he hitchhiked back and made it back to the party, I think, before it was over. So yeah. And then she went home that summer and they dated and had quite a courtship and were married at Labor Day and went back to school married. So wow. yeah. So she was a sophomore. <laughs> she was 19. He was 22, um, 23 when they got married. And then, and they were married on um, two days short of 52 years. And what got them to Cheyenne? So uh, my dad went to law school in Laramie um, and my mom was went to be a teacher. And when they were very first out of school, he was out of law school. She graduated college. They moved to Jackson and he was a city attorney of Jackson. And my mom was an English teacher wow. up there. And um, they had my sister when they were first married. Uh, and my mom was pregnant actually when she graduated, I believe. And then um they moved to Jackson and my dad was a city attorney and my mom kind of said, I don't know about this Jackson thing. And she was teaching right up until she had my brother who was born on June 1st. Yep. And basically taught that and then had him and 
then they said, my mom said, I'm, I can't do this. I don't love it here in Jackson. And he, he's kind of flip-flopped places with a friend and went to practice in, in Cheyenne with a, a law firm in Cheyenne. So yeah. And then he did private practice there and with a firm then. And, uh, my mom took some time off before she went back to teaching. So what are you, do you have, you have got two siblings? I do. I have an yeah. older sister and an older brother Okay. and I'm the baby by quite a bit. Um, they are eight and a half and five and a half years in age older than me, uh-huh. but nine and six in school. So I okay. was in third grade when my sister graduated from high school and sixth when my brother did. So I had like a totally different formative years of high school than they did. Yeah. I'm spread out. I got three, two, yeah. three siblings, a stepsister, uh, there, but I have a sister that's six years older and then a younger sister. It's 11. And uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, my mom was married three times, three different kids. And, uh, my dad adopted my older sister. I didn't, yeah, never met yeah. that guy or anything like that. And, uh, they, but it was, we were spread out. So we definitely, and I'm the only boy. So we definitely had some different childhoods growing up and we were yeah. like another set of a, a parent, uh, like my older sister is to me, I'm to my younger sister. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, yeah, I'm in college and she's, you know, eight or nine. Like it, it was interesting. That's ex- that was yeah. exactly for my sister yeah. and I, yeah. 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 And so, like, I helped raise her a lot. I was a built-in babysitter. It probably kept me out of trouble uh, when I lived here. My mom would be like, oh, we'll get you pizza and a movie if you babysit your sister. Sure. And done. it took, I didn't move to Laramie till I was 13. I grew up a suburb of Portland, Oregon. So I, like, didn't love Laramie right away. So being home and not. I didn't have, wasn't that social or anything like that. Mm-hmm. A few friends, but I was like, I was easy bribable. I didn't want to go out and party or anything like that in high school. It's like my ticket out was sports and such. So there was no extracurricular stuff like that growing up. And well, at least here in Laramie. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was uh, interesting to have unique childhood. You, you're the youngest. So you're, and everybody's gone by the time you're going through. So were your parents like beat down by your siblings by the time you're rolling through? So it's really crazy. Um, in, in some circles, like, so with my parents' friends and like the people who had had, they had all had their kids already. I was the youngest kid by a lot. So, Uh you know, the big thing post pandemic is everybody stay apart, but when you were a kid, you got stuck in these places to go get the chicken pox. Right. And so I tried with everyone my age to go get the chicken pox and they never stuck. And I didn't get them. I went to like three or four chicken pox parties and I never got them. And so then there were these older boys and they were my parents, really good friends, sons. And they were, I think 19 and like 15 or 19 and 16 at the time. And I went and locked in this like dungeon of a basement with these two boys that had terrible chicken pox in a row watching movies that I'm certain were inappropriate, but I was going to get those chicken pox. And finally, thank goodness I did. I was in the first grade and they were so much older. And, but it was like, those were the only kids left to get it. And so on, in that regard, I was like one of the youngest in the neighborhood, one of the youngest, but then Um, my parents were kind of the old parents with my age people. Right. So they weren't friends with my friends, parents and stuff as much because 
they were kind of the older parents and stuff. So it was a little bit different that way. But uh, when you, so they weren't, so it was kind of different because they were really young parents with my sister, especially, and, and my brother more. And then my mom was 30 when she had me and people were like, is this safe? Like, should you still be getting pregnant? I don't know about this. And, and so they, they had so much energy, I think when they were younger, that it's, it's crazy to even think about that now. Um, and the, the other thing is my mom taught at my junior high. So he <laughs> drove to and from school with her every single day of my junior high years. She was in the school with me. She knew all the gossip. She knew better gossip than I did from the teacher's lounge. So I think that probably beat that beat my mom down more was yeah. it was tough. We were best friends, but mortal enemies all at the same time. And she knew everything. So I didn't get away with very much, which people would say whatever, but really my friends got to do way more stuff than I did. I had, I had much stricter parents, I think by then, because also my sister was pretty wild. And so ah, they knew, and my brother yeah. just lived at the golf course. So that's actually how I became a golfer was ah. if I wanted to hang out with my brother, I had to learn to golf. And if not, then that's it. Like no hanging out. So it was just very different. But one thing that you'll really appreciate and anybody listening to this, because I'm sure it's a lot of Wyoming fans. <laughs> my sister went to college in a basketball heyday. Yeah. So she was class of 1987. Okay. So when she was a senior in high school, our big trip was we went to see Wyoming play in the sweet 16. And she looked at going to Puget Sound yeah. out there. And that was in Seattle, Washington. And so my brother and I ended up, we got to go watch a movie with Venice Dimbo and Sean Dent and wow. Jones and all these, Eric Lechner up in a, up in a hotel room. We watched the movie Lucas the <laughs> night before they played the sweet 16. And so it was, it was so awesome. My sister was like, you guys, I have to go to college with these people next year. Like be cool. Right. <laughs> and then um, fast forward and some of her very best friends, coming out of college were basketball players from that heyday. And um, a person who turned out to kind of be like a big brother to me was Reggie Slater uh. who came out of that generation. Cause my sister was such good friends with him in, in college. And um, so I was this like sixth grader. I'd go to the mall with these huge basketball stars, right. From Wyoming and walk around the mall and I'm tiny and they'd just like put me on their shoulders or pick me up. Cause I couldn't keep up. So I think that was the other thing that was the craziest is, I had sort of like a different vision, you know, of college. Right. And oh, so, yeah. so it was, it was really cool. I, I got to go over there and, you know, hang out and spend the night with her and stuff, which was really cool. And same with my brother. And it was just, it was just different. So when I got to college, I knew probably more than I should <laughs> and yet didn't still didn't know a thing. <laughs> I'm when I moved to Laramie, that's when they were going their senior year, finish and then. But my parents are doing everything to try to sell me on Wyoming and stuff. They're like, look, Sports Illustrated. I'm like, yeah, yeah. really not much yeah. going on there. And yeah. um, later on, it's funny how you register. He, when I first started school, I think he was about his senior, like wrapping up his career. I mm -hmm. maybe, but I was working around the teams a lot in video. And so we would recognize each other later on in life from that kind of stuff. A lot mm -hmm. of athletes and such. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the hundred years 
100 oh, best yeah. players. Yeah. I'm standing yeah. next to him. We're in the tunnel. It's when I think I still had press passes and stuff. And it's got all the decades. And he's like, did they not allow black people into Wyoming until the 70s? Because <laughs> there's like Flynn Robinson. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. just busted up laughing just like you did. Yeah. Like, I yeah. got, yes. Probably. So you know, true. So, so true. true. Yeah. And yeah. so it cracks you up. And they, um, the guys I tailgate with, uh, one of the, my friend's brother was a manager on those teams. And so mm-hmm. those guys stopped by tailgate a lot. Yeah. When they're in town, like Dembo and stuff. One time I'm just yeah. sitting in my friend's car, looking at my window. I'm like, is that Finnis Dembo? Mm-hmm. Just hanging out at our tailgate. I was like, that was so weird. But like, I go, he's probably a God. He is a God in this town. Like mm-hmm. the second biggest, the biggest pop I've ever heard was for Fennis. And then it was Kenny Sailors in the yeah. arena. Yeah. Like, just amazing. I didn't, that was the first time I'd been around Kenny Sailors and getting that ovation until fitness stepped in and it was like, yeah. even. And big. then it's madness, mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will say, like, that is one thing I really, really admire about Reg is um, he does a phenomenal job of keeping in touch with people, of his, of his peers with us. You know, he just periodically checks in. It's so great after my, after since my, he and my dad were really, really close and they talked all the time, but he still calls him just, just to check in on my mom. And, um, you know, so we, we went to Las Vegas, um, last weekend and it was so great because we got to watch Rashawn get drafted, his son get drafted to the LA chargers, uh, at my place of business, which is the Superbook, and we can get into that a little bit more. But I manage, I run all the marketing for an online uh, sports book, and ah. it is based out of Las Vegas, out of the Westgate Hotel and Casino, um, the Superbook. And so on these huge screens and with all these other football fans to watch Rashawn's name get called was pretty, pretty great. So, you know, we've come full circle. Yeah. All grown oh, yeah. up. And yeah. So, so two siblings much younger that's where that started yeah um so as a kid like were you like into sports into academics your your siblings um (laughs) well my siblings weren't so into me so i would do anything to try to get them to pay attention to me which was part of it which meant um like daredevil tricks and and things that i probably shouldn't have been doing i wrote a i wrote a bike into a milk box and have a scar from that um from from riding a dirt bike with no foot brakes on it at way too early of an age. So I do anything, especially my brother and his friends to keep up with the boys. They'd shoot off pop bottle rockets. I ran through the, the screen door, um, and broke it. But, uh, um, you know, I was, I was a nerd for sure. Um, in a way, uh, I was in every academic club and everything. Right. But I also then, I also was sporty. I played basketball and I played when I was in junior high, I played everything because that's all you did. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I played basketball um, as a sophomore and junior, but I always played golf. Um, oh, so yeah. that was a big part of who I was. Uh, academics were important, though. When I went to apply for colleges, half of them I did for academics and half I did for athletics. And I ended up at Wyoming on a golf scholarship. But, um, you know, it was it was kind of both. Right. I did. I did the same thing in college. I mean, you were in my major, you know, I, I was sort of Judy Joyner where if there was something going on, I probably was going to give it a shot at least um, just to kind of figure out what you want to do. So I would say both were important for sure. 
Yeah. It's having the educators that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. It should have probably been more important. My yeah. dad and stepmom are teachers. Uh, my stepmom was my third grade teacher, uh, but she was my dad's girlfriend at the time. My parents got divorced when I was like six years old. Oh, wow. um, and then my stepdad is a teacher at the University of Wyoming. And my yeah. mom worked at the university. Like she knew all the good gossip like your mom did in junior high, mm-hmm. but at a college mm-hmm. level. So I'd like walk into her office and she's like, you're going to the party on Curtis Street tonight? And I was like, I am now. Well, I was like, yeah. Yeah, now I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, they're having a party tonight? All right, right on. So yeah. like, she knew all the stuff, but also she knew everything about me before I knew it about me half the time. Yeah. So that was an interesting, she was a good resource, but also was still your mom working at the university, like, yeah, and everything. And my stepdad was in broadcasting track, like he was a mentor, all that. And so like, it was never, I go, I learned a lot. I was pushed a lot but it was a family business. And so I'll like, there was times where I was like, I couldn't miss work. I couldn't miss anything. And being a normal college kid, it was like, no, you better be dead if you do that. Cause it's going to cause hell at home. So uh, yeah, I, academics, my parents had pushed me as enough because I was all about sports. That's what I did. And that was my main thing and thought that would be my ticket out of Laramie. And then next thing I know, not so much. Um, recruited for football at small schools, but not enough. Or they would all coach would go, I thought you're taller. And I was like, God, I can't, yeah. I'm not going to get taller. I feel like this is it. Yeah. And uh, so went to UW, not begrudgingly. I knew I was going to go to college. That was good. Cause not everyone has that push and drive from their parents and such like that. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was going and it was fortunate enough that I lived in a town with a major university, affordable, and everything so and i didn't have to live at home either my parents kind of were like go live the college life we'll help you support when we can and everything but it wasn't it was a good college career it's fun but yeah. so UW wasn't your first choice you applied to other places so it was it was um oddly enough it was my first choice um but i did apply at other choices so academically my actually my first choice was northwestern and okay. I got waitlisted there. It was when they first won, and this isn't why I got waitlisted, but this is what I, how I convinced myself it was okay. But it was the first year they went to the Rose Bowl, and so their um, applications were way up, and their acceptance actually was down. And so I, anyway, I, I got waitlisted that year. And but I talked to the golf coach, and they were like, "Well, you could walk on and be a Prop 48 athlete." And I was like, "That's for the guys who get like six on their SATs <laughs> or on their ACTs, like." no, I'm not going. And I had like all this academic, like rules and stuff if I did that. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm not going there to, uh, to do that. And so I got accepted to Tulane and that was where I looked really seriously going for academics. And then I got accepted to Wyoming and I had sworn cause we already had, um, when I was a senior, we had uh, amongst the five of us already six degrees. Cause my dad and sister both had their law degrees wow. at that point. And so I was like, no, no. But then I loved the golf coach. Um, Kyle Linton was his name and I loved the golf coach and he was, he had helped me with my swing so much that year. And just, you know, a lot of really good things. And I had a great recruiting trip and I was like, you know what, this is actually pretty great. And so the other recruiting trip I went on was to San Diego state. And I was like, 
I don't want to play golf 360 days a year. If I go, I want to go to college. Like, I don't want to go just golf all the time, all the time. And so that was, um, that was a big, that was a big thing for me was the, the golf there. So it was my first choice. Um, shockingly to my own, you know, dismay a little bit, but yeah. And I've never looked back and regretted it. Never. Yeah. And I will say this. Your stepdad was a badass. <laughs> and I, was I wouldn't have ever missed class. I don't think I ever missed one of his classes because I was scared of him. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I, uh, he was, yeah, and he was a big mentor to a lot of people. So, shout out to Mike for sure on that. Yeah, he turns 80. Wow. In September. I don't think I ever made an indelible mark on that man, but tell him happy birthday. I, I will. I will. We, uh, I was just around some other classmates, Carrie and Gina, Carrie Hayden, Gina Apodetica. And we, Gina and I were talking about Mike's mass media class, which was on a Thursday night. Uh, Half uh the time we came in just drunk. Like, Uh and he would be, he makes joke. He makes jokes about it to the day. He's like, Oh, my stepson coming to my class. Oh, half tuned. And I was like, you had a class at seven at night on a Thursday. Like, we are all, everybody's like, that was like the Friday. And I go, I worked football games and coaches shows. So that was like a Friday for me. Like, cause yeah. I was going to go out and drink on a Friday night or anything. So I was like, yeah, I go, but I still got a good grade and the staff drunk. Yeah. And so, I mean, not cause like he, no, you are a good student. You are a good student for sure. The broadcasting. Like, he knew your shit. For that classes I did uh-huh. the rest of it that kept me in school a while. Cause yeah. that's all I really wanted to do, but I taking yeah. a stat class, er, I didn't oh. quite understand like where it led to like calm research to like proving people wrong these days. Like, yeah. so I was like, man, it took me a while to get through stats just because my lifestyle lived that I'd make it to like two out of three classes for the week because I was working in bars and stuff mm-hmm. like that and enjoying college. Well, but not enough to love my classes enough, except broadcasting, which, like I said, mm-hmm. stepdad, you know, kind of oversaw a lot of the stuff I did, but I also got the opportunities and it really started in high school. I was, uh, I carried equipment for Casper on Saturdays and then roll tape for the coaches shows on Sundays. And he would pay me like 50 bucks. Cause I, they, my parents wouldn't let me work and mm-hmm. do athletics and go to school and everything. Like got to focus on these things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, mm-hmm. cool. They let me do summer jobs, but this was the first time I'd had a job through the fall and I did it for basketball, but didn't carry equipment, just did the shows. And the best part about uh, this going in on Saturdays as a lineman that played for Laramie high school the night before that never got any press. And we were good. I had my own little mini press conferences with like the press around because they'd <laughs> ask you stuff about the games and everything. And That's we were awesome. a good team. So it was fun mm-hmm. to get that attention. <laughs> Uh, never thought I was going to be a broadcasting major that came along like part of the way through my freshman year. And it was like interning for Mike and was like, yeah, this is a good idea. I should do this. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It was, it's fun. I, I wish I used more of my skills today. Just work in um, technology for a living. Like I do podcasts and I do radio shows. Um, maybe that comes out of the broadcasting world, but that's for free and for fun. Yeah. My real, my real job that pays bills is, fixing stuff in rooms and technology playing with cool technology, but nothing to do with my broadcasting degree. Uh, but now not everybody has like Carrie 
Matt Williams, I think are the only two people I know that still work in TV. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of anybody else from our era. You know, it's great to see Carrie doing it because she was a late bloomer too. Like yeah. that was the other good thing about it is she stuck with it, right? Like she, she didn't um, come over to Laramie until later, but yeah, I don't, I mean, like I look back to our class and even some of those athletes, I thought, okay, they're for sure going to do this someday after they play and, and they're not. And it's, you know, you're right. I don't really know anybody who's still super in it, which maybe that's why they got rid of the major <laughs> right after we yeah. were done. But, but I don't, you're right. I don't really know anybody who's still truly doing it, but I will tell you it was, it did oddly people are shocked when I say that's what my major was that there are a lot of things that have carried over though, from that, that have helped me like in being able to um, just succeed in some, some different things just from the baseline that we learned in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would joke with Mike. I was like, you just set me up to work in TV news and that sucks. Like I I did for three years after college in New York in uh, Long Island. And it was the bleeds at Leeds. I learned a lot about like why I hate news. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I like shooting sports. I would have probably stuck with it if that where I would have gone more with sports. But I was like, I wish we would have, done more things than because it was just a big setup for news and he was like well we kind of that's what people see and want we couldn't really focus on a lot of the artistic side of it and stuff and i was like that would have been so much cooler or so much something. cooler yeah man yeah you're all going to be in front of the camera behind the camera and yeah. tv news i'm like Ugh. yeah totally I, I you make a great point and i look back on that and sometimes you know i my mom and i'll joke like what if I was a broadcaster doing this stuff now? Like I would be terrible on CNN. Like some of these people are, I certainly wouldn't fit on Fox news. Like it's just so funny to think like there was, there was so much about fair and balanced news when we were in like that whole mass media class, right? That whole mass media 1000 was all about like three sources and uh, attributing and, um, fair and balanced. And sometimes I get so frustrated because I'm like, this is not what Bob Beck taught us. <laughs> no like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or Mike Brown, right? Like I hear Mike Brown's voice in my head sometimes <laughs> thinking back to some of those classes or, um, Kim Drummond's classes that you, you look back on and you can still hear their voices when you're just watching the news yourself or when oh. you're just, you know, seeing something and you're like, yeah, that's a terrible shot or, that yeah. that person that was a run-on sentence that could have been so much shorter that you know so i that i will be honest that you know when you say was wyoming my first choice um i did want to go somewhere big and i did it's so funny because i thought oh i have these big wings i have to i have to let them fly um but what i found is that having strong roots is equally as important or more and i have moved around quite a bit in my life and I always come back close to home and strong roots are are not a bad thing. And I got so when people ask me about going to school in Wyoming, I got so many opportunities to do stuff that no other yeah. kid our age did. Right. I covered college football, my sophomores, junior and senior years yeah. of college. Like who can say that? Like now I see the scroller go up and there's all these and I've learned so much about like data feeds and all this stuff in my job now. And I think back to calling 1-800 like sports ticker and being like, okay, so-and-so ran in the ball. It was a 10 yard pass from quarterback X to 
running back or to receiver Y and 10 yards, you know, and, yeah. and you give all those details and I got to do that. And then I got to interview coaches and then I got to write stories for Wyoming public radio and who else got those kinds of opportunities. And I covered diving and wrestling and random stuff. And then I was the public address announcer for Calgary basketball and I was terrible. I was awful. But the fact that Kevin and Dave let me still do it and I got so much better by the end of it, oh, it yeah. gave me so much more confidence in public speaking. The first game I ever did, um, the equipment wasn't working and Mad Dog was like working on it even, like trying to get something to work on the mic. They were playing the Czechoslovakian national team oh, and wow. I didn't get a chance to warm up on the mic with the names. I thought I, so I had to yell before the mic turned on I had to stand up in the arena auditorium oh and yell, please rise for the national anthem. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm not going to announce my first game. It's going to be fine. There's just not going to be a PA. I'm going to have to like yell for my seat, three-pointer, Carrie Bacon. And it was the most awful. By the third game, they had a spotter for me, but they didn't even have that for the first games. And I was like calling fouls on the wrong girl. Like, it was terrible. Yeah. We had three sets of twins. Like, yeah. so, you know, so, but who else got to do that at their, in college. Right. And then yeah. I also got to do all the fun stuff too. I didn't have to, I wasn't married to my internships and stuff. I still got to be in a sorority and be in um, student Senate and iron school and all these nerdy things too, which was awesome. And I, no other big schools, you would get that much play. You weren't touching any equipment until your junior, senior year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually at other schools. I mean, it was opportunity, like you said, at the university. Well, I mean, it was definitely opportunity, early opportunity, uh, small population mm -hmm. uh, of student body, and then majors with not that many people. So you eventually got to know everybody in the major a couple of years back yeah. forward. And, and yeah, not like there's things where I'm like, oh, yeah, I interviewed that guy or that guy. Yeah. Like Milk talked about um being recruited by coach back at yeah. purdue and he brought milk into, into wyoming when he got hired at the university of wyoming it was his recruit and i was like oh yeah i interviewed that guy in college he's like really i was like yeah like yeah. there's a lot of them that i'm like yeah you might not have ever saw me because it was a show called like wyoming sports edition but we, uh -huh. we were on the interviewing yeah but we were never in front of the camera anytime it, that was it was like dave walsh time like if yeah. he was at, a big yeah. interview was Dave Walsh, but otherwise uh -huh. it was us like Ladrell Whitehead. I oh, had yeah. to talk to Ladrell Whitehead about saying, you know, like he, he was explaining a story, but I was like, we don't know. And that's why I'm asking any of these questions. And he's like, okay, I get it. And I was like, talk to me. Like, I don't know basketball or anything like, yeah. and, he, and he got it and he cleaned it up a little bit, but it was, hard to be like it's hard to cut together if you don't have the conversation between us so i'm taking sound bites and i don't want to go into from one you know to another and yeah. so and it's hard i understand to be an athlete and then be like okay now i gotta be on tv like mm -hmm. i just want to shoot baskets or whatever i understand i get their stuff but when you're big enough we got to get you, you on camera both. yeah we got to get you on camera and stuff when we did some great fun interviews and everything and it was access and i was like they were shocked when i went to my job in new york that i would tell them when i started doing things and and shooting sports and everything like wow 
Yeah, we would never have gotten any of that until our junior and senior year. I was like, go to the University of Wyoming. It's affordable education. I tell yeah. that to everybody still. I'm like, it is. Yeah. Such an affordable education. Yeah. And you guys, and, and now, like with TV, like most major of our, you know, sports, the revenue of sports are on TV too. And so, like, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see, like, if you move away, you'll see your favorite teams playing everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have some great departments. We're building a whole new campus, it feels like. like Yeah, it's cool. Now that I've worked there almost 18 years, I was yeah. with my employees walking around. I was like, my campus wasn't this way in college. And they're like, what camps do you go to? And I was like, this one. And they're like, oh, as we're going yeah. in like the new fine arts building. You so. could drive around Prexies. Yes. Yeah. Like that is what is mind-blowing. Like I told that to my cousins who aren't that much younger than me. And they're like, what? You could drive your car through Prexies? And I'm like, no, it was, there was a road all the way through. Yeah. Like it didn't connect. <laughs> what? So, yeah. And I mean, the other things are like, I, I did the cowgirl showcase, right? Do you oh, remember yeah, the yeah, cowgirl yeah, showcase? Yeah. And I remember uh, I was out of college. So I hadn't done the cowgirl showcase in like a year. I was out of college. I went back to you know for a game or whatever I was at the bar I had graduated and some guy came up to me and he's like I think I just saw you on on the news the other night like I couldn't sleep it was like four in the morning are you on the news and I was like I live in Denver what are you talking about and he's like I was watching some like replay of an interview of like Jay Stoner on this cowgirl showcase thing talking about like the importance of women's athletics at Wyoming. It's like some title nine thing we did or something. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was me. But that was a while ago. (laughs) And like, who gets to do, you know, a TV show, like a fully produced on the main Casper station. And when I was in college, people would come up to me and be like, dude, I was so drunk and I, it was like four in the morning. I watched you on this like showcase thing. And I'm like, I'm glad you were drunk because it was probably not the best television that there was. I get, yeah. I saw your name. I was always behind the camera until much later. And then when I came back to Wyoming, um, I started doing interviews on SIGs yeah. and Wyoming signatures. And so like coach Glenn, get Kevin yeah. Dave, like I did sports guys. I was in my yeah. zone. And that, then I'll get, and it's, I'm a searchable name on YouTube. That's and crazy. so like, I'll get the occasional, I saw you or like later on, yeah. or I heard your voice on the radio, which not my yeah. radio station, but like when I was doing PSAs, yeah. I'm like, now I'm, I'm so used to it. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, you probably either saw me as a DJ in Laramie. Uh, you got me on yeah. Cowboy Joe radio or you listen to podcast. Yeah. I, I try to entertain. I yeah. got you like, the mo- the weirdest fandom moment was uh, outside of War Memorial uh, in the back, uh, smoking a cigarette, long quit those a while back. And uh, this girl comes up to me and bum one. And I was like, oh, here you go. And she's like, I'm like, what's your name? I can't remember her name. And she's like, what's your name? And I'm like, well, it's rude. Everybody, I mean, it's really Justin, but everybody calls me rude. And she was like, DJ rude. And I'm like, <laughs> Yes. Starstruck. Like literally starstruck. She's like, oh my God, my friends talk about you. You're a great DJ. And just going off. And I'm like, wow, that's I'm just a like Laramie Bar DJ. Like I wasn't really like a prepared for such like <laughs> fandom. It was weird to me. Or then I 
other times I'd be like Walmart or something shopping and people yeah. are like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, shopping. Like shopping. Yeah. Not I put my hands on one leg at a time, dude. <laughs> not strapped in at Lovejoy's always like, yeah. yeah, I'm a real person and such. So it was weird in that aspect to get that kind of fandom. Uh, but also I'm like, I got to prepare for it because mm-hmm. yeah, I talk to people on podcasts and then they're like, oh, I know you now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, and so our, I see you on TV and, or my girlfriend owns a funeral home here. So we get tracked down the street quite a bit. Like they, <laughs> they love her to death. She does great work in Laramie and everything. That's awesome. But in the beginning, it was me when we first started dating. I was just, I'm like, I'm from Laramie. My yeah. history is this town. And yeah. And so now yeah. she gets it more than I do. So I'm like, sweet. Yeah. I can disappear. You my the funeral. Yeah. Always stuff like that. Yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah. It's, and you kind of got to put on your uh, sad face a little bit when you're yeah. in those situations. And, and, your serious and, face. Yeah, yeah, your serious face while we're just about to go like into a bar or something. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting like that. The, the small time Wyoming fandom that you get um, even around the state and such. I got noticed in Casper. I forgot about that for a SIGS interview. That was interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. Like you get the four in the morning one. I'd get the Casper notice like. Yeah, I think I was at a bar up there and they were like, I've seen you on TV. And I'm like, oh, maybe so. Because everybody's like, I know you. And I'm like, oh, crap. How? How do you know me and such? I've never seen you before in my life. I know it's so weird. I hate that when people are like, oh, Mackie. And I'm like, great to see you again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Once you, you said you went to Denver right after. I did right after school. Right. You finished school. Uh, was that your first choice to move to? Like everybody goes. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I actually had a plan to just take a year off and then go back to law school, follow my dad's footsteps, follow my sister's footsteps. So I went to Denver. Um, All my friends kind of were down that way. You know, it was, it was a, or still in Laramie. So it was easy to go back and forth. And um, so I worked for my sister as her paralegal for a couple of years and we did some really actually, she was, she had just been a public defender and I worked for her when she was first opening her practice and she'd been open for, I think a year, maybe two when I worked for her and um, we did some big trials. And so we did um, more than we did a couple, at least a couple murder trials. We did, you know, a lot of different stuff that, um, so I learned a ton in about two weeks before I was supposed to go back to law school. I had called my mom and I was like, I don't know how to tell dad that I don't want to go to law school. Cause it was a couple of things, right? Like it was number one, I wanted to forge. I had always been the youngest Mackie. I was either Terry Mackie's daughter or my mom taught at my school, or I had these older siblings. So I was always their little sister. My brother was in a fraternity. So I was always his little sister. Like so part of it was that my dad and my sister had left these really, really big shoes to fill. And so was, did I want to live up to that? But also I kind of wanted to make my own name and figure some stuff out. And I called my dad and he's like, Hey, kidlet, like law school will always be there. If you're 50, if you're now, it doesn't matter. Law school will always be there. Um, you can, it's a great education. Like that's what I kept telling myself when I was going is like, even if I don't become a lawyer, it's a great education. And then I was like, why go spend the money? And sometimes I have regrets and I think I'm doing the wrong thing. Like I'm waiting for the George Floyd verdict the other day. I I was telling my mom, I said, you know, sometimes I see big stuff like this. That's, am I doing enough? Right. Like, did I follow my passion or my heart enough? And am I doing my part? Am I being my best self? Right. And I get to do 
you know, I worked for Pepsi for a long time. I get to do charity and I get to do other things on bigger platforms on different platforms. And so maybe that wasn't what my calling was supposed to be, but it does make me think a lot. Um, am I doing my part? Am I doing enough? And being a lawyer doesn't necessarily make that the truth or not. Um, so, you know, sometimes I regret it, but so I worked for her and then I, I was ready to again, spread those wings and, um, hold on to those roots. And so I went through the yellow pages. Yes. Kids, there were yellow pages <laughs> before, before, and went through every marketing and PR firm in Denver and finally got a job with a multicultural marketing firm. I started as an internship. So I did an internship and work for my sister part-time. I made like $4 that year. And then they brought me on full time and it was like my first big thing. And I did multicultural stuff that I did a Spanish newsletter and um, worked for a Native American bank corporation. They had tried to bring, I think it was 10 tribes together to build a bank and got my feet wet doing that. And then um, about a year and a half later, a friend called and said, hey, Coors is um, hiring and they have a couple positions left. Do you want to try? And so I was like, well, all right. And I had seen Pete Coors um, speak at, at a fundraiser. And I said to one of my friends from high school, from all of growing up, from like elementary school, I said, this is a guy I could work for. Politically, we are very, very different. But in terms of, of service and stuff like that, we are um, very similar. A friend of mine, when Pete Coors was running for Senate and I worked for Pete um, or for Coors, he said, you have to vote for Pete because you you know, you work for Coors. And I said, I may not always work for Coors, but I will always be an American. So I will cast yeah. my vote accordingly. Right. Like it was an interesting, it was an interesting statement. It also made me think like, what do you know about politics, sir? And so, um, so I, I was really, really lucky. I put in my resume. They had one role left. They invited me to go to lunch the next day, 45 minutes into lunch. They slid papers to me and said, okay, we'd like to hire you, but it's 100% going to be relocation somewhere urban in the U.S. We can't tell you till you move. Do you want to take it? So that night I went home, we did like a five-way call to my family on the phone. And I said, I'm going to do it. I've always thought I wanted to move around. It's part of why I was broadcasting major because I knew I'd have to move places. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. And I have to spread my wings and I can't just do what's easy. And so I took the job and I went to what was called beer boot camp. Um, and lived in a hotel in Golden and we went to class every day, eight to five for eight weeks. And we drove in vans together. And it was this like family of, it was like the real world <laughs> beer style and graduated. And then they sent me to San Diego. So I moved awesome. to San Diego at 25, just enough expendable income to have fun and, and two, still too dumb, you know, and young to know any better. So it was awesome. And I made um, my, one of my best friends, uh, in San Diego, just set up through another friend that from Wheatland, Kelsey Good, who, wow. um, I think, you know, and, yeah. uh, so if I never would have gone to San Diego, I wouldn't have had her in my life. And it's just funny how things work out. That's awesome. I, yeah, it, it I understand. I lived in the shadow of my older sister forever in Oregon and mm -hmm. yeah, being the middle child too, and one side of my family. I was all about breaking the mold, being my own person. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Like mm -hmm. if my older sister did it zigged, I was zagging mm -hmm. and I didn't understand this until much later in life. I'm like, Oh, mm -hmm. that's what middle kids do or babies. Mm -hmm. I'm a baby of a bunch in my dad's side. So mm -hmm. I was like, this is what we do. 
And so, yeah, I did not, when I finished school, I did not want to go to Denver. Everybody did that. And I wasn't mm-hmm. working in Wyoming. I was 10 times better than what they mm-hmm. were putting out. I, I walked in the job fair and both TV stations were like, you don't want to work for us, do you? And I was like, no, don't bother. I was like, we're, we're friendly on the field and everything. I was like, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just, I was going and working at summer camps in New York. I met my now ex-wife and mm-hmm. out there at the summer camp and she was from England. I was from Wyoming. We knew people in New York. We decided New York would be home base. And I'm like, yeah, if you can make it there, make it anywhere. And so yeah. uh, it was actually my dad, not my stepdad, got my resume across uh, the eyes of the people that hired for News 12 Long Island. And so, yeah, I started freelancing, doing every odd thing, every odd time, mm-hmm. working odd jobs too. I worked at Blockbuster. I worked at a liquor store. Mm-hmm. I delivered newspapers. Also, I could stay in that TV world and eventually got hired on. Actually, it was part-time, but I covered enough hours that it was basically a full-time job and everything. And it was great access. I learned a lot mm-hmm. um, how to be more efficient at my job. Um, I was there during 9-11, so that was probably like oh. get out of news moment. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, but also interviewed people like Jay-Z and met Billy Joel. It, he dated one of our anchors um it just interesting stuff new york everybody plays there musically been to a ton of concerts yankee games wu-tang clan like it was it was great experience couldn't afford to live the rest of my life and it burned me up because i was working in news Mm -hmm. normally i'm a happy go lucky fun guy i was not after about three years i was like we got to get out of here and fortunately it was just me and I came back to Wyoming, a job opened up the University of Wyoming. And I remember going five years and then I'm going back to the West Coast. That's where yeah. I belong. It's almost 18 years. Yeah. Actually, it is yeah. 18 years. Um, in a couple of days, I'll be at the university yeah. 18 years. And I'm like seeing the praises of the University of Wyoming now compared to how I felt yeah. when I first enrolled at the university. Saved yeah. my lunch, saved my family's yeah. lunch. And so I always will. Even though it puts me through my trials and tribulations as of late. I was in yeah. one department outreach school and they dissolved that. Oh, yeah. And I end up in IT. And uh, it's interesting to go from managing like video conferencing. Now I manage like every piece of equipment that it goes through a classroom. And oh, wow. Documenting and it's, it's different, a lot different than what. I was brought up in broadcasting and like video conferencing, the TV, doing the Zoom stuff, kept my attention, kept my, I understood it because it's video still. Yeah. But, and I, I'm one of the experts for UW in as far as Zoom goes and everything, but it's a weird transition you go through. Um, I survived many layoffs, but then I'm like, I've gotten down to, I need eight more years and I can collect my retirement fully, not to say I'm retiring, but I was like, just make it that far. It's golden yeah. handcuffs. I was like, just make it mm-hmm. to that moment and then reevaluate your happiness or anything like that. And hopefully don't have to navigate any more layoffs. IT generally, I don't make a ton of money, but generally keeps yeah. your job and everything. But yeah, it's uh, I love working in education in comparison to working in TV news. Oh, I for sure. I'm my sure. My life is 
even though I'm like just support, but at the end of the day, I help people get educated feels good than trying to follow around some murder or nine 11 or anything in New York or something like, yeah, it was, that was tough. And there's people that are built for that. And there I, are. yeah. And I wasn't. And so that was kind of my plot of light. How I ended up back here. Uh, how long did you stay with Coors? So I was with Coors for almost nine years. And in that time I moved to San Diego. Um, I was there a little less than two years, Phoenix for 14 months back to Denver. I lived here for three years, but commuted for some of that time then Kansas city. So I lived in all those places wow. with Coors. I made it through several layoffs, several restructures, Molson Coors, Miller Coors. And then it just was like a totally different company. And it wasn't the family owned company I'd gone to work for. And I lived in the Midwest and was super Miller driven. And I had some hashtag me too moments. Like you wouldn't believe my mom. My mom one time said to me, I don't think I want to know the answer to this, but have you ever had an experience like this? And I'm like, mom, I don't even want to get into it, but being a female in fairly male dominated industries, I could tell some stories that would make my hair, your hair curl. But, um, you know, it was just, it was very like when I left there, I had a, I had lunch with someone who said, you know, bottom line, are you going to sue us? And I said, no, I wouldn't, I would never do that. Right. Um, but that was pretty eye opening. Um, and it wasn't anything that anybody that was on my immediately in on my immediate team did it was, you know, kind of ancillary people and stuff that, it's just a different era, right? And yeah. times were starting to change then. When I lived in Kansas City, I had a super surreal life. Um, I had one friend outside of work and he was a former Royal and his dad coached for the Cardinals. And so the things that I did in life were not normal Kansas City stuff. They It was a lot like Denver. Like if you grew up there, you had your group of friends. They didn't need more friends. Um, so, you know, it was very surreal. I went to a ton of sporting events and I, I dabbled with getting back into broadcasting there. I was going to do a a morning radio um, segment of being a fantasy football girl on the, on the chiefs radio network out there. And so, you know, I've gotten to stay working with sports this whole time through these jobs, which yeah. is great. But um, so that was the closest I got kind of back to being into broadcasting really seriously. And um, it was just so toxic. I came home for Easter and I said to my, my brother and sister and I kind of pow out and, figured out a way that I, they would help support me or I could live with them and stuff. And I would just quit and come back without a job by the summer. And we called my parents and my dad was like, just give it till the weekend. Like, just give it one week. You've been here. You miss your friends. It was opening day. I went back. That was on a Sunday that we said that the next Sunday I called them like, well, it's been a week. I just got out of my leasing office. I've signed the papers. I'll be home in 60 days. Like I gave it the week. It didn't fit. And so Crazy enough, that was on a that was on a Sunday. That Thursday, I was at lunch. Brian McRae was my my friend that I was just referencing. Brian and I were at lunch, and we were talking about what am I going to do? Um, how am I going to move forward from this? And you know, he had a ton of context. He was a partner in a radio station out there, Eaton Sports, and so he's like, "I'll help you, you know, make some tapes, and I'll you know whatever you can have access to the studio, the access to the guys, we can help you." And so I looked at it. I dabbled a little bit then, and. While I was at lunch with Brian, I got a LinkedIn message that said, hey, found your resume. There's a job at Pepsi we'd love you for. By That was on like May 2nd by Mother's Day weekend. I had interviewed, gotten offered a job, and they were there was a job in Denver. And I was like, oh, I like that job. And they're like, well, it's several steps backward. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I'm very exhausted. And they were like, no, there's this job in Dallas. And whoever moves to Dallas, like 
you get to work on a Super Bowl and we like all your sports experience because I'd worked with, you know, like the Rockies and Nugs and the Avs for Coors. Um, but I'd also worked with the Royals and the Chiefs and and tons of small teams and stuff. And they're like, we like your sports experience. And so I was like, oh, well, it's not Kansas City and it's one step closer to Denver. So I took it. I'd been to Dallas one other time and it was only in Plano um, for like three days. And I was like, well, here I come. I don't know anyone in Dallas except my friend Milk. Yeah. <laughs> so I called Milk and said, hey, buddy, I'm coming to Dallas. I don't know anybody else. He's like, don't worry, I got you covered. Like, I'll tell you everybody else who's here. And he's like, I have to go out of town for the weekend, but I'll call you when I get back. So that was the weekend I was house hunting. And so I go, I look at a bunch of different apartments and I land on a place. He calls me after the weekend and I'm like, okay, I signed a lease. You got to tell me if it's a good place. It was a thousand feet from his back door to my back door. And we never talked. We never talked. You had to go over a bridge, over a busy street, but it was on the Katy Trail. And to go out, and he was like right next to the door. And then you walked into my garage. And so it was the best thing ever because I had this person in my life who knew me like in all my craziness and like from my major and from, you know, from communications classes and all this stuff, but he knew all of me, like there was no hiding anything. It wasn't like somebody who you have to kind of be this kind of friend with, like, so I could totally be myself and he'd come over and we'd watch, we'd watch Sons of Anarchy and um, like just whatever it was, or we'd just cook or we watched a tornado on TV and we were watching and it was maybe it was for sure like less than three miles, but maybe it's close to like a mile and a half from my house. And we're sitting watching the TV, like glued to the TV. And we're like, oh shit, that is like right here. And that semi just flew over that, um, that fence. We, we should maybe get into the laundry room, <laughs> like take cover. And so, and then I was driving to Texas A&M to college station and he took such good care of me that like, he was just such a good friend. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, there's a tornado and it's like right before you and you should pull over and stop. I don't know what to tell you to do, but there's a tornado. And I drove right through the aftermath of the tornado while I was on the phone with him. And I'm like, milk, there is a school bus on its roof off the interstate. Like I'm looking at it and he's like, just stay on the phone with me till you get through it. And, you know, and then even down to the points where I needed plus ones to these events and I would just call him and be like, milk, I need you to show up, bro. And he was great because he is like his superstar and he he is not a superstar in his own mind, but like people are just drawn to him and it's so awesome. He can talk to anybody and I never was nervous to take him anywhere because he gets along with everybody, but he was still that guy who um, made me look good. Like he always made me look good. Like he would hold my coat and he would be, he would like, if I didn't know someone and I wanted to meet them, he would break the ice for me. And he would, you know, he was a guy, but he's probably going to kill me for telling the story, but we were going to a Super Bowl party and it was the first night and I had forced him to be my plus one. And he's like, I really don't want to do this, but it was going to Jerry Jones Super Bowl party because Pepsi was a presenting sponsor of it. And I'm like, just please go with me. Well, our executive team had set up to get town cars for the week and they ran out of them because all the athletes and media were using them. So we ended up in limos somehow crazy. And, um, so I pull up and I call him and I'm like, Hey, I'm just pulling up. And he's like, okay, I'll go outside and wait for you. And so his door opens and it was during the ice storm. So it was the ice bowl, super bowl when everything was closed down. It was so icy. 
walks out, <laughs> front steps and slides down his falls and slides down his oh. stairs. He stands up and he looks around and he's like, and I just roll down the window and I'm like, hey, buddy. And he's like, oh, all I could think was, I hope there's nobody in that. <laughs> and it was just like the perfect start to the perfect week that, you know, just to know I had somebody from Wyoming who, you know, even though he's from Chicago, he's still like salt to the earth. He knew me. He knew how to handle me. Like he knew everything about me pretty much to have somebody there in like the biggest moment of my career that I could just take, turn around and take a deep breath. Or like I, I started dancing with the group from step up to the movie and he's like, go for it. Like here, give me your purse, give me your shoes, give me your dress, go do it. And like, no matter if I was doing the craziest, stupidest thing, he would support it. Or if I just needed to turn around and take a breath, like he would just support it. And that is one of the best things and why I don't regret going to Wyoming is because I have amazing friendships like that. And I could go through, you know, a million stories, but like, that's just a great example. I lived in Dallas 10 months. I worked all the time because I worked on all these crazy things like Texas A&M and the Cowboys and a Super Bowl and a World Series and all this stuff. And, but like, it was awesome that I had somebody who knew where I came from and who I was to share it with, which was awesome. Um, people listening at home, episode 55, Dan Del Corio is milk. By the way, that's episode right before this. He does tell that story, but he didn't tell us the part about falling on his ass right in front <laughs> of the, the limo. But he talks about the limo. He talks about oh, the few moments in there. But if you guys want to get his part of the story too, listen to episode 55. Sure. It's a pre good prequel to the story, yeah. to this yeah. whole interview and everything. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Like to be, well, Pepsi, yeah, they're huge with the Joneses yeah. and yeah. everything. Yeah. And it's wow. Like I couldn't imagine. Like I there was times where like in the media in New York, they would put me in places where I was like, I don't belong here. There's yeah. So much money in the room, like wow. Yeah, imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, and like all the time. I'm old in this camera going, yeah. tell me something cool and yeah. everything. And so yeah, that's that's awesome. That's yeah, moments that you know you don't think you'll get being a Wyoming kid, all right? Like mm -hmm. and next mm -hmm. thing you know, you're on a in a very big party with very big important people and, yeah. and trying to yes, network and meet and have a good time and and everything and make sure you know you keep the good old pepsi looking good yeah. like the corporate yeah. you know and everything and so wow what led you out of dallas then so two weeks after the super bowl there was a ma massive reorganization and i got a call and it was like and there was you know trading going on and pawns on the board of who's going where and what and i got back to denver with that and so wow. my boss called and was like you know, Texas is spinning off. We want you, we want to scoop you into the Denver office. So I moved back. And so I've been back for 10 years from Pepsi. And uh, in that time I've, you know, with Pepsi, I got to do, um, I managed the Pepsi center relationship and I got to do some really, really cool surreal things. Right. And part of it is the company that you work for, but part of it is also like how you make the most out of situations. And I think as a person from a smaller town or from a place like Wyoming, no, there are no strangers, right? And so you take that with you into your everyday life, regardless of where you are. And maybe it's just me, but I love to, you can get to one degree of separation from anyone. Just yeah. trust me, like yeah. I've tried. But 
you know, nobody else is really willing to say like, oh, where'd you grow up? Oh, really? Where'd you go to high school? Well, do you know so-and-so? And like, no one ever believes that you're going to know. And then they're like, how do you know that person from like Burbank, California, class of 84? Like, because you just, it, you ask the yeah. question, right? And so you go to your internal Rolodex and you say like, how can I relate to this person? Because everybody you're going to meet has an important nugget for you. It's just if you mine for that nugget, right? Yeah. Like life is a gold mine. How deeply do you mine for that nugget of information that you're going to get from somebody? And so I think part of it is not being scared. And what's the worst anybody can say to you is, screw you, go away or no. Right. But if you don't ask for something, you'll never get it. Yeah. And so I was really, I've been really lucky to be personally and professionally in some really crazy circumstances. I never thought I would be in. Like I got to go probably the most extravagant, most memorable of any of them. I got to go to an Oscars party that was hosted by life water. Wow. And it was amazing. Byron Allen was hosting the party and it was for LA Children's Hospital. And so there's lots of celebrities there. And, you know, I got to meet like Kathy Griffin and Jack Kay and like all these crazy people. But then I got asked on stage and I got to dance with John Legend. And like some of that is putting yourself in the right place. Like, but, you know, part of it is what situation you make of it. Right. So I was sitting at dinner next to Stephen, not Stephen, um, uh, one of the Baldwin brothers, Billy Baldwin, next to Billy Baldwin, who's married to China Phillips, right? And so I just, you know, I heard all about this, this Netflix filming he'd just done in Northern Michigan. And he showed me a, a naked picture of his wife, which was art. She was pregnant and totally, you couldn't see anything, but she was pregnant. And he's like, look, isn't my wife beautiful? And like, you get those experiences just by having a conversation. They want to tell us things about themselves as much as we want to hear it. Yeah. A lot of times. And I, and so what this brings me back to is a lot of this though, is also learned behavior from our broadcasting days, right? Yeah. Is learning how to interview, learning how to talk to people, learning how to ask those questions that are not just the benign questions. Like, how are you? Where are you from? What do you do? But asking more follow-up questions, right. And like at listening to the answer and then following up. And that's something that I, I will always attribute to my broadcasting days is I learned how to listen and follow up and it made me a better salesperson. Right. Oh, yeah. And so when I was in, with Coors, I was a salesperson and we would do these seven steps to a sales call. And one of them was overcoming objections. And that was easy because I had learned from broadcasting, listen, then follow up. And that's all that that is. Right. And so it makes you a better salesperson, but you know, I look back and there's a lot of stuff I never I wouldn't have necessarily been in some places that I was, you know, and done some of the stuff, but I've met some phenomenal athletes. I've, I've had huge, huge highs with things. Um, I got to meet Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood at a, at a Pearl Harbor um, party that they, that a gala that we sponsored and they were kind of the lead hosts of, and I was walking out of the bathroom and they were standing there and he was holding Trisha's shoes and I was walking past and it was like the one time they weren't being mauled they talked to me and they, I mean, I got to ask them, like, I knew he was coming to the 125th early. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just like surreal experiences, but it's also sort of what you make of it. Right. And I think because we did grow up in this crazy open atmosphere of taking care of your neighbor and making friends and everybody knows everybody that no one's a stranger that I don't know. It's been really, Surreal and super lucky. 
And I don't, I don't take it for granted even a little. And then I got laid off from Pepsi right before COVID and it was the best damn thing that ever happened to me. So I got to take three months in COVID and just chill and unfold. And, um, yeah. And then that June, last June, I got, I had somebody say, Hey, I want you to meet some people. They might have a job for you. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to work yet. I've got a little bit more time. I had built myself a little cushion and So I was like, I don't know. And so, you know, my dad had died two years ago and I was still kind of processing that grief because it was such a long haul of, it was four months of, of kind of what's going to happen. And then he passed away and I went straight back to work. I actually went to jury duty, got, I was on the jury. I was the four person in the jury. And then I went back to work and it was right back to the grind. And I never took the time I needed to process. Right. And, um, so it, it, lots of stuff had happened. And so I took this time and in June, they were like, do you want to come work for the super book? It's a, we're starting, you know, we're a startup company. We're out of Vegas. Um, and it's a mobile online sports betting app. And I'm like, well, this is the future. Right. And so yeah. they made me a great offer and it was the experience to learn and to work with some really amazing, super smart, like blow you away, smart people. And I was like, I'll go try it. And I love it. And I'm running all the marketing and we're launching in New Jersey in June. And we've already launched in Colorado, superbook.com folks, go check it out, sign up. You can bet. And now sports betting is legal in Wyoming and it's going to hopefully go live September 1st. And I mean, it's the wave of the future. Right. And so it's just fun to be on the ground floor of something. And it's a startup. It's like 17 people from 300,000 plus people or whatever work for Pepsi. Right. It's, not a $66 billion company or $70 billion company. It's, it's a startup and every penny is like your own and it's such a different shift, but man, it's been so fun, but it's really hard, but it's really fun. Broadcasting does not teach you about the language that I've learned to speak in the last six months. I know so many things that did, I didn't even know existed. Right. So thank you, Al Gore for inventing the internet. (laughs) It's possible. Yeah, yeah. That's I've had a, different. I definitely, uh, I hate saying Google. I don't ever use it. I use Yahoo. I'm loyal to my brand. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but yeah, I've searched a lot of like, what's that piece of equipment? Oh, it yeah. makes the microphone work in a room. I got it now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like, so yeah. we, our, our rooms cost like $40,000 a room of technology. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing with the amount of equipment, what it takes and the durability. And just also to make it like easy for an instructor to push a couple buttons, we're rolling. Yeah. No, we don't want to. T- we don't want them not even think about the technology. But technology yeah. isn't perfect, as we all know. Yeah. So like, it's tough. I, was, I look back. They were riding on those um, slides, right? Like they were riding oh, out yeah. on the. My mom did that for years. My mom lived her whole life with a green, <laughs> like green pen and blue pen combined on the palm of her hand from writing on those little clear sheets her whole career, right? On the overhead projector yeah. that like that's what, and, and that was only, you know, we graduated from college like 20, just a few, like 20 plus years ago, not like in the fifties. Right. And, yeah. and that's how far technology has come that fast. And it's just shocking, shocking. Aliens, man, aliens. That's why I say Something. somewhere. Well, micro technology, early two thousands really, 
took over and I mean, advanced us in a lot of technologies and then advanced even more. Like people don't understand, like we went from like, again, driving around the old steam engine Ford to Ferraris in a course of like 10, 15 years with technology. Yeah. And everybody's like, Oh yeah. Like it's normal. Like a touchscreen is just normal. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. I had to write stuff down a lot. I remember when I came back to work at UW, I worked in distance ed and I was so shocked that you could get a degree that way. It was all video conferencing Mm -hmm. and they would give the students the PowerPoints ahead of time. And I was like, I would have, yeah, I was like, I'd have been done with school a lot quicker if you would have gave me that ahead of time. And I just had to fill in the blanks of what I thought was needed. I was like, I spent at least a good two years learning how to do notes, learn how to take proper notes or what you should write down and stuff. When they say this is going to be on the test, you write down what it's going to be. And so I'm always impressed of what the students have today. Yeah. as far as access and the technologies and everything, but also what you got to come up with as an instructor because every kid could get, just look it up really fast. And so you got to make mm-hmm. sure it's not plagiarism and all that. So I'm glad I'm just support staff. I just make sure the equipment works. I go yeah. home in the day and not have to worry about ever going back to school or taking a final or giving yeah. a final or anything like that. I still have those bad dreams, that dream where I wake up yeah. and I haven't, I thought I dropped the class and I have to go to the final okay. and I'm going to fail. And can't graduate without it like that's not anxiety at all is it like but but back in our day that was just stress like you know yeah. I mean, they, there wasn't and I think not only is technology but like medicine and oh, yeah. um, just so many things have come so far and and I'm happy for that right like I'm happy for that but man technology gets me down some days that I'm like I'd use a fax machine some carbon copies <laughs> and go to a martini lunch in a heartbeat yeah there you go yeah, yeah. So, I think I said fax the other day and someone's like, what? And I'm like, email it, whatever. Yeah, just whatever. Take <laughs> yeah. a picture of it on your phone and <laughs> send, send it, it to me. me. Yeah, so, it's crazy. But yeah, that's what I do today. You do today. Yes. So we're going to have some sports gambling, hopefully sponsored by you yeah. here in the state of Wyoming soon. That's the hope. That's the hope. Uh, yeah. One last question asked. Well, yeah. it usually probably leads to more um, or at least more statements. Uh, I asked this question of everyone because it's called All My Friends. We yeah, kind of yeah. alluded to it in the interview. How do we meet? We first met actually in our major. Yes. And um, we met because, and you can dispute this and maybe think I'm crazy for saying this, but we were kind of like the nerdy white kids in our classes, right? Like, and DJ Davenport, right? Who is still shout out for Deej. He's yeah. a mortgage broker. Um, but, you know, and so you did a lot of, I was really bad at um, filming and like all of that stuff. You helped me out a ton with that. I would write a lot of, co- I was good at the writing part and I was good at the on air part. But like, that's how I kind of got to know you. Would, you helped me a lot in editing. That was like the big thing where I really got to know you well was editing stuff, but we would, we would help um, a lot of guys in our major football players, a lot of them, right? Like touchdown Tommy Nash yep. and, <laughs> and all those guys with um, Jarrell Haynes. Like, yeah, I have to tell, I do have to tell you one more story about this, but that's how we first met. And we were kind of like the, the workhorses and we would help them and stuff. But 
I, when I got to know you the best and you might not even remember this was we, I had to, I had to splice, like literally splice together a project and you helped me in the editing day on this like two minute thing that we had to do for Bob Beck's class as seniors. And that's when I got to know you the best. Huh? Yeah. Sorry. I don't, I remember meeting you during the major. Um, yeah. And you did help me with a lot of camera work and stuff. You did, did do that. I've, yeah, I mean, I was like, I've done a lot of editing in my life, so I'm like, oh, sure. I'm yeah. glad I could be helpful. Yes, I was. Yeah. I was good at that aspect. It, you were. It, it was rather easy. Um, during my broadcast, the advanced class, um, where it was mm -hmm. remote cameras. No, mm -hmm. rewind back to the broadcasting class before that studio stuff. Um, no, no, not studio stuff. It was the remote stuff because we made a sports open, and instructors tony and mike are critiquing it mm -hmm. and it's awesome because i shot it it's my mm -hmm. it's like i've been shooting basketball for years at the time mm -hmm. i shot it it's all my stuff it's all my video and music worked perfectly um with certain uh, with a dunk mm -hmm. by theo and everything and yeah and uh so they're kind of critiquing it it's it's awesome by the way and i wish i still had it today i wish i could see it yeah and uh but they're still being hard on it. And my, and my classmates are losing it. Cause they're like, if you're going that hardcore on Justin, yeah, where do we do? stand? Yeah. Where do we stand with this? And so they're just mm -hmm. starting to defend me. And they're, and the, and, the, and Mike and Tony were like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. He's got an A. We just have to have some yeah. criticism. So yeah. fast forward a few weeks, there was a guy from Australia. He made a story. He did like a, a story on me going crazy in the edit bay because of my critique session that I took it over and like held everybody hostage and I played the part well and everything like that. But it was, it was, was that Leif? It wasn't, no, I can't, was it Leif? I don't remember if that was his name. It's, I can't remember his name. Huh. But he's Australian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was there, was his name Leif? I, I, you're probably I right. Feel like, I yeah. I feel like it, it might not have been, but played rugby and stuff. Um, he probably did because it seems like all Australians yeah. played rugby. Yeah, I was like, is that a stereotype? Yeah, yeah, but it might not have been, but I feel like he was in our major, but yeah. Yeah, and, and it was interesting. And like Wallwork was in the major. Yeah. That's how I met him. And because I was teaming for the class, we're going to the last baseball game. And my buddy Jeff, who we run our radio station together, is like, we're all mutual friends. And Josh's like, you need a room, you need somewhere to live. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I need a place. I need somebody. I would never live with, in retrospect, I don't know if I could live with football players ever again like that. Yeah. It, yeah. Our house was always a mess. And, uh, is that time on second? Yeah. Right across from what's altitude now is both. Yeah. With the empty lot, with the empty, with yeah. the dug, dug out hole next to you. Kind of. It was two doors down from that. Okay. Yep. 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 Red yeah. Door. I remember that. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. to do that. And I was like, I was the smallest guy in the in the place yeah. with two quarterbacks and two linemen. Yeah. Like, Josh Davis, was that the other one who lived yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Yep. We got along because we're he's a big Niner fan. Yeah. So we're we're we got along well, but he's a dick to like everyone. And and like my room, my buddies would call and it's like, I don't want to talk to that guy. So sometimes I don't even call you. Yeah. He was a dick. And I was yeah. like, he's cool to me because we're Niner fans, but yeah, I was like, uh, and Demetrius is in the major too. It was in broadcasting, so his roommate was right across the hall, 
And so, so that leads me to my story that I just said, I have a great story. Um, so, uh, I was in LA a few years ago, probably about five years ago now. And I had gone out and like I said, it's one degree of separate, like everybody knows everybody in this world. It is a small world. So I went out to dinner with a friend or I went, I went out to dinner, um, with my cousin and my friend and I knew a girl who lived out there and worked out there and she was, um, a bartender at this restaurant. So we went to a restaurant and she's like, I'm off shift, walk across the street to this kind of hole in the wall bar. It's like middle of downtown LA, like downtown LA. Um, and she's like, just walk across and meet me. I'll be sitting at the bar. Just come meet me. And so my friend Shannon and I, do you remember Shannon Smith? Yeah, she she was a Kappa for a while. She played rugby anyway. So she and I were there and we were walking up to uh, we were walking up to the door of the bar. And my cousin is much younger than me and his girlfriend. And they're these kind of tiny and they're just the cutest, most porcelain couple. And they're so cute. And they like get to the door, give their IDs. And this this huge bouncer is like, nope, you two can't come in to me and Shannon. And I was like, huh? And I was like, we're not doing anything. And he's like, nope, I know you. You are not welcome here. And I was like, you don't know us. <laughs> we're from we're from Colorado. You don't know us. And he's like, yeah, I do. I completely know you. You were a Chi Omega and you hung out at 15th and Grand or 15th and Grand. And we hung out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, this guy totally knows us. And I'm like staring and I'm like, I cannot figure out who it is. It was Demetrius. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he's like, I was in your major. (laughs) He's like, you made us do all your work. You made us do all the hard stuff. We would have to carry that camera. We would have to do all this stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I totally do know you now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was great. He's got that. He had that such that. So he had a huge beard, beard. huge beard, longer hair. He's wearing a hat. It's dark. It's downtown LA. It's completely out of context. And I'm like, and so then we were talking about where everybody is like Jarrell Haynes and uh, like, just, I mean, so many great things and just caught up. But I'm telling you, like, that's the other thing about Wyoming is it's a small town, but there's one of us everywhere you go. And so, yeah, it's funny you say that, but just, yeah. And then, and we oh. were both like, oh my God. Yeah. And my cousin was kind of scared at first. He's like, how do you, like, are you too drunk? Are you? And I was like, I'm not even drunk. Like it was great, but yeah. So it was super fun, but I will say like, I, I we had such a great major, like we had yeah. so many fun friends and like, we'd go to the bar and toast. Like, you knew all my favorite songs at the bar. Like people would be like, how do you know DJ Rude? So well? like fangirling over you, by the way, you're exactly right. They'd be like, uh. that's rude. Like, how do you know? And I just like, Went to you, pull my ear or whatever, and you play my songs, and they'd be like, "How do you know him?" So I'm like, "Major, yeah, yeah, yeah." So that's how I met you. How'd you meet me? <laughs> so, I mean, that's I, I. You were my major. You're yeah. a little bit younger than me. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yep. And so, um, definitely, I was probably a TA and helping out through all that stuff. With yes, I think you were. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, I think you came through the reporting side more. Yep. And so did you work at the radio station too? Did you do? I did for Bob, yeah. yeah. And then for our senior class, remember we all had to do a big story for our senior class? Yeah. I covered the um, Matthew Shepard trial. Okay, but that wasn't, that, wasn't that a group? Oh, it was a trial. 
the year before was, did did a whole story on it the whole story yeah i did a little bit on the story not much but kate remember kate chrisman yes so um i ended up being in her wedding and um but it was uh she and i i made her go listen to the verdict with me and it was some scary stuff but i did i ended up reporting out on it for Wyoming public radio and then doing that for like my long form um my long form final story and I got a lot of help from a lot of people. Mike helped a lot on that. Tony, I forgot about Tony, but yeah, I got a lot of help on that. That was a, that was a good one. And that was more of a, you're exactly right. That was for radio, but that was like our, you know, we all had to do that senior. Yeah. That long form, like five minute or 10 minute story. And that was mine. Uh, I've got one last thing about my senior class group thing. Um, We got down the very last, episode was three new store three half hour new shows mm-hmm. and so it was like we want the best and and we voted on it like producer director yeah uh, and talent yeah. were up and i was director like that was hands everybody's like you're the director okay fine yeah i get to choose my crew i was like that was the rule and so i chose jeff rickett to be mm-hmm. my um switcher and they vetoed me mike and bob did because they're like that doesn't allow people to learn because you guys do work so well together yeah and i was like you're you want us to have the best show so i get a i was like i gotta pick my crew you're going against what you said and i argued for a while but eventually i had to make him like i think i made him the floor director or cameraman just so i had him um there as a as an anchor as a safety net and stuff and brought somebody, I can't remember who did the switching for me, but I was like very tentative of like, you better not screw this. Like yeah. I'll push buttons, I have to, but actually whoever did it, we danced well. So I wasn't. That's so it. funny that you say that. I forgot we did the 30 minute show because we did a, we did a news and sports one. And I got, I got Jay Stoner to come on that show for us because he was dating one of my friends and I remember that now that you, and I'm trying to think, and I think that um, Jarrell was in charge of cameras and like DJ Davenport was like floor director or something, but you know, who was talent were, I'm pretty sure it was Carrie Hayden and I. No, was Carrie hey, Hayden? He, she graduated. He, is she age. your age? Yeah. Cause we no, sat I, together was, at graduation. Like, what year did you graduate from college? 98. Was Steph McKenzie in your stuff? Do you remember her? She's on the radio in Las Vegas now. Anyway, so Same maybe it wasn't true. But it was, so Carrie was in a lot of my classes because we had that crossover, you know, like, um, who was, but yeah, it, I remember that now that you say it, everybody had to vote on everybody yeah. and yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I wish I had that stuff still. I probably it's probably sitting in our studio. I still have access to the studio. Yeah. Like IT took it over. Like I could go there tomorrow if I want to. Like I would I, like all of my B-roll back, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have a VHS in my garage of all this stuff. I know I have a VHS of like 10 cowgirl showcases somewhere out there. Yeah. I have VHS and I think I have a a beta tape too that switch formats i need to get all this stuff yeah. to digital it's like we didn't even have those things i could switch over no. to vhs i could i can digitize but i don't even have yeah. beta beta stuff that i can digitize over uh yeah. technology moved too fast for me 
Yeah. And I say it. This was so fun. I am so happy that you asked me to do this. This was awesome. Thank you. I want to thank you. I'm so flattered. Yeah. Yeah. That you thought I was interesting enough, first of all. (laughs) You are. Thanks. You didn't live a, like, I grew up in Cheyenne. I go to school in Cheyenne. I'm going to die in Cheyenne kind of lifestyle. So I went to UW and I came back. So you've definitely seen the world out there. You've got some stories and everything. So, and yes, I'm partial to broadcasting majors. Yeah, me too. Me too. I still keep in touch with some guys and it's great. It's awesome. Folks, I'm still looking for an artist or artists to make an intro for this show or just transition music like a guitar line or a drum line. Let me know if you are that artist or no artists, and I will promote them on the show. Once I get the music and such, I will promote them like no other. I will say what their social media is and how I got the music every single time I play it. So if you have that bit of information for me, Go over to my Facebook page, All My Friends with Justin Flaskerud, like the page, and then send me a private message about the artist. Maybe it's you. Hopefully it's you. You play a kick-ass like flute or guitar or bass or drums, or you can beatbox or something like that. Send me it, and I can use it on this show, and I'll give you props. I'm telling you, I will give you props. Now I want to thank Mackie for being on the show. We probably could talk for hours upon hours about the broadcasting days. I think about having a UW broadcasting major show or a UW TV show since both are no longer in existence at the University of Wyoming. So keep on listening to this show and you'll probably hear that. On to the next episode. (laughs) 